Welcome to Open for Business, a Nebraska Women in Agriculture Agripreneurship Series. I'm Jessica Grosskopf, Director of the Nebraska Women in Agriculture Program. Each month here on Open for Business, we'll bring you one-on-one -on -one conversations with female entrepreneurs in Nebraska's agricultural industry, focusing on their grit, determination, trials, and successes. Each program is recorded from a live webcast on the second Tuesday of every month. Register on our website, wia.unl.edu, to join live and have your questions answered by our guests. For over 35 years, Nebraska Women in Agriculture has worked to deliver unbiased, research-based education by showcasing the entrepreneurial spirit of innovative Nebraska women, we hope to inspire and uplift others to pursue their own goals while picking up some creative and useful insights along the way. Get started. Good evening, everyone. And I'm Brittany Fulton. I'm the Extension Assistant of the Nebraska Women in Agriculture Program. And we're really happy you're here. And thanks for joining us. This is Open for Business, a webinar series that focuses on female agribusiness entrepreneurs. And on the second Tuesday of the month, we feature Nebraska women in agriculture to show their grit and determination as they share their stories about how they've overcome business shocks. During our time together, please use the chat box located on the bottom of your screen to ask questions, and we'll address questions as time allows. Today, we have Brittany Bolte joining us. Brittany is an agronomist in North Central Nebraska, working with growers and producers on water irrigation management, crop consulting, and providing agronomic service and support to a handful of agriculture products, such as row crop and forage seed. She grew up in Southwest York County and got her first look at agronomy in the summer of 2007. After working for a couple of agri retail companies, she started her business, Yield Plus Agronomics, in January of 2013 by focusing on water management and precision ag support. Then in September of 2018, that grew into crop consulting and planning, soil sampling, seed service and sales, and most recently becoming a sales representative for a feed and salt mineral company with a focus on soil health. Some of her big goals focus on a balanced whole system approach to crop production, meaning it's not just one thing or two things that get you to reach your goals within your operation, but it takes all things to be balanced and collaborating with each other as a system and to make these goals happen and go the distance. Her biggest joy is working with growers and producers to help their operations, family, and their region be successful in whatever they define success for themselves. Thanks for joining us, Brittany. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yes. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into this. Um, how about you just start by telling us about yourself and your background? Yeah, well, the biography did pretty well. Uh, grew up in southwest York County on a small little farm and ranch um, and just horses, cattle. My folks farmed up until I was in middle grade school, but still involved in agriculture that way through all the way through high school with FFA and, and ag or 4-H. Went to college at Northeast Community College in Norfolk and majored in agronomy and ag business, but started out as ag business with the intention and thought that I would maybe go into horticulture and landscaping because I worked at a garden center and nursery in high school. <clears throat> Did a summer internship in 2007, being a, a crop scout and fell in love with the agronomy stuff. Um, after college, took a full-time position with that company to be at a location and head up all of the crop scouting and the precision ag department there. So doing the soil sampling, like grid sampling, um, yield analysis, all that kind of stuff. Kind of, it's, it's scary to think at the timeline of how precision ag has changed. And I wasn't even at the beginning, but uh, was really kind of at the beginning of that. And um, Spent a season in South Dakota working for a co-op, uh, helping them get their precision ag program started, then moved back to Nebraska, uh, took a position at a independent retail here in Bassett. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ugh, all the dust today. Um, took a job there just being agronomy support. They were wanting to expand and do a little bit more agronomy service out of their location and um, soil sampling, help them get precision ag going as well. 
And then in the winter of 12 to 13 was approached by a water management soil moisture probe company to be a dealer for them. And that's what Yield Plus Agronomics came or how Yield Plus Agronomics came to be. I did my Yield Plus business on evenings, nights, and weekends because I didn't think I needed a social life <laughs> and, uh, and then continued to work full-time at the uh, fertilizer retailer up until the fall of 18. Then uh, the later part of summer, early fall of 18, I was approached by Channel Seed to take on a uh, seed dealership for them. The local uh, dealer that they had was um, letting go of her dealership, but they still wanted to keep a dealer up here. So that then allowed me to come on full-time and, and expand my water business into a full-blown agronomy business. And then that's just gotten more and more here in the last six-ish six months, four months really to bring on the feed side of the feed and salt and mineral supplements. So, whew. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's a great background. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about Yield Plus and, and how you, like how the idea came to be. Like the business itself came mm -hmm. to be. Uh, like I said, just was approached by a water management soil moisture probe company. They were, of course, up here, you know, along the corridor of Highway 20. At the time, I was living in Atkinson. Um, they were wanting to get a dealer somewhere, O'Neill, Atkinson, Ainsworth. Um, there's quite a bit of irrigation along this corridor. And with irrigation is a huge need of water management for water quality and quantity. Um, if it wasn't me, then they were going to find somebody else chatting with my manager and the owner of the company, they weren't interested in taking on that themselves, but totally fully supported me doing that in my spare time because they just seen the value that somebody needs to be doing it. And they felt that it would be even more valuable if that person was somehow tied to that company. Um, so just, just managing water at that time had some people want me to do some scouting, but of course, there was just no time with continuing to be full-time at the ag retail location. Um, installed, installing and extracting soil moisture probes and then during the season, providing information from those probes with growers and also helping growers with variable rate speed control irrigation um, as well. So, well, that's weird. It just says I'm connecting to audio. I see that. <laughs> that is odd. That's very weird. Anyway, um, so that's how that's how it came to be is was just water from January 13 until September of 18. That was all that I had time for at the time, really thought that was the only thing I was really wanted to be involved in, um, knowing that in this current economy, a person needs to be diversified in so many different forms or fashions. And that's bringing the seed into it. A, a huge awesome flag for channel channel is very agronomy focused with their research and their development and then with their dealer network a lot if not almost all of the channel dealer system is independent agronomists they're not tied to retail locations um and that just that fit that business model really fit into my philosophy and what I believed in. And so that was a no brainer to bring that in and just expand my reach on the water stuff too. Water's still the biggest passion of my business, but it doesn't always just pay the bills. So you have to bring in those other things. <laughs> I get you. So when you were first starting here, you know, did you actually have a business plan in mind or did you kind of just start with that water management and say to yourself, well, we'll see what happens from here. We'll go to this next step, we'll go to the next step. Or did you have a set business plan? Did you take someone to look at? Did you get some outside um, person to look at it? How did that all work for you? I totally winged it. There was, the only plan was to service growers with water, whatever that needed to be whether that was variable rate speed control irrigation or and or moisture probes um since 
since I was still full-time at ag retail, I didn't need any business loan or anything like that. Um, so, and I didn't have to purchase equipment. Growers own the equipment with how that business structure was set up. So all I really needed was just the tools and a dependable vehicle and four-wheeler to, to be able to get me around and service that stuff and then a computer that works so that you can be relaying that information back to the growers off of their, their probes in their fields. Um, so no, I didn't, did not have a business plan. The plan <laughs> was just get them out there, get the information back to the grower and try not to make too many mistakes along the way. <laughs> so did you really just rely on word of mouth throughout like your, your people you were working with? Is that kind of what your main like marketing plan was? It was my, my best sales my best sales location was the coffee shop. <laughs> and I had a couple of uh, customers that I really probably should have wrote them a commission check for their word of mouth and, and getting things out there. Um, they, they liked what the probes were reading. They liked the, the technology on how to read it. And then my service, my service at that time. And, you know, hindsight's of course, 2020 and looking back at the service that I provided uh, just bless the growers that have stuck with me because compared to what I'm doing now with a lot more time, of course, you're able to put a lot more into it to what I was doing back then. Oh man, that was a, that was a huge learn of, of what to do better and what to do different. Um, but word of mouth, I didn't know advertising. Uh, I'm not even sure at the time, personally, I wasn't even on Facebook, uh, wasn't very active on Twitter or anything. So there was no marketing or no advertising. It was just a grower sitting there at coffee telling his neighbor <laughs> that he didn't need to go turn on the pivot because the probe lady said he didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, do you, do you wish that you would have had a more formal business plan and strategy behind the business? Not really. The thing I would go back and change is just like I said, with my customers, um, being more one-on-one -on -one with them or being more in tune with what, with what they wanted specifically. Um, I've learned a heck of a lot the last couple, three years in asking those expectations. What do you need? What do you want? How can I help you just be successful? All of those questions. That's what I would go back and change for my business side of it. I wouldn't change it that how I went about it in, in any way. Um, I love and still have a great relationship with my past employers and still work with them with customers. I mean, it's a small, a small world and, and we're in a, a pretty remote area. People know people and, and those people know your people kind of thing. So um, I love working with them full time. I feel like what we offered each other being different, but yet still working together is what helped. We helped each other out in so many different things. Um, and like I said, with not needing to um, have a business, uh, like a business loan or anything like that, that was honestly the ultimate way to go to where you're not starting out in debt right away. <laughs> That would you, you never really truly dig out of debt, it seems like. <laughs> our first question came in um, from our viewers. And how much did your ag business degree support the business end of your company? Um, the ag business portion of it. So ag business at Northeast Community College back in the day, you had, you got to dabble in a little bit of everything. You got a few animal classes, you got some agronomy classes. Um, you had, I took an accounting class as an, as an extra. And there was a, at the time they really didn't have a precision ag program and then business classes. So like farm management, farm and ranch management, um, you know, I don't know what they offer for a program and for classes now. Um, it was, at the time, their business portion was more geared towards 
if you were going to go back and ranch and you were going to go back and farm, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot on the entrepreneurship side of I'm going to start my own whatever business. But, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. And I don't know how much of it really contributed to <laughs> where I'm at. I think it was the education is important, no doubt, but my connections since then, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And my past managers, my past employers, people within the ag industry and in other parts of the state and other parts of the country is really what is has led to, I would say, where I'm at now. That the degree was important, don't get me wrong, but yeah, at, at the time for what the curriculum was. 15 years ago <laughs> I, I'm sure it's a heck of a lot I hope it's a lot more entrepreneur based now because not everybody going to school is going to work with for somebody their entire life or you know they're going but I, I do know different schools have legit entrepreneurship programs now which is awesome and that would be very beneficial but yeah well, that's a that's a great answer it's I like what you said. It's it's who you know. It's, it's really important in most yep. all agriculture services and business. Another question came in. Um, give some specific examples of how your 4-H and FFA experience pre prepared you for this business. Ooh. Uh, probably more on the FFA side than the 4-H. 4-H we did, um, my brother and I, horses and cattle. Um, but, you know, just that, that follow through, um, that you have to go do chores. I mean, something is depending on you to live and survive. So you have to go do that. We were taught, um, a lot of times we couldn't eat until the animals had ate. So just that you have to go do something, whether you like it or not. Um, FFA was probably a bigger influence with their, their leadership and talk about a networking system, um, went three, I think three years to national FFA and the people that you meet down there competed at state FFA for sure in eighth grade. I don't think seventh grade I did just in the quiz bowl, but then, you know, nine through 12 went to, to state at FFA convention and the people that you're meeting had a, a wonderful advisor who, um, pushed us to do things. I wasn't super keen on FFA and you had that stereo or that stigma in your head that if you're, if you didn't farm is, you know, it used to be future farmers of America is what their name was, is that, and you're not going to, we just have horses and cattle. It's nothing, you know, no big. And he, he explained that it's more than just farming or it's even more than just horses and cattle. So the, that leadership side of it is huge. And that's, I'm involved in the local FFA alumni chapter here in Bassett that was started a handful of years ago because it's so critical and the leadership that we've got to get going and explode in the world, let alone in the ag industry. Um, and that, that program really focuses on that, which is huge. And one of my top things, leadership. <laughs> everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, how have you increased your knowledge on all these topics? Have you taken classes or learned through the companies you have worked for? Topics such like agronomy topics or any and all of the above? Well, this came from the chat. Um, so oh. maybe all of the above. Okay. Um, well, on agronomy stuff, in field and being around people that have been doing agronomy in some form or fashion their entire life. I also in, was it 2013 or 14, got my certified crop advisor, which is a national program as well as a, a state recognized program for ag professionals. And with that, just the general certified crop advisor CCA you have to maintain a certain um, status. So every two years you have to have 40 continuing education credits in, and those 40 are broken down on into different categories. So like soil, soil 
and water management, pest management, topics like that. Um, so doing that to where that makes you accountable for continuing education classes, those speakers is where you learn from stuff. But once again, the networking at those events is where you really start to pick up on things because now you've got that, you can get that one-on-one -on -one or the smaller group interaction and then trade off phone numbers and, and collaborate back and forth that way. Um, leadership has really come to be a huge priority because of a business coach that I'm working with. Um, I worked with him outside of the business coaching aspect when I was uh, with the, the water management and soil moisture probe company, but he has since switched out onto his own and is um, working with independence, whatever that may be in the ag world, because agriculture is so different from every other industry in leadership and influence and relationships. Um, 98% of my business is relationships. Like I said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So um, the leadership, that push and that drive and that now that new exploded passion is because of my business coach. Um, and that's just working with him one-on-one, -on -one, attending business conferences, hearing different perspectives, reading books. <laughs> I won't show you my shambles of a bookshelf, but um, John Maxwell, really enjoy his books on leadership and, and personal growth and development, so. Great, another question came in from the chat. Do you see the future of ag in rural areas being handled by small companies such as yours, or are we looking at large company involvement? Uh, probably still both, because we have to have both. Um, the small companies or, or independents, whether it's ag retail or such as myself, we have to be, we will still have to be here because the large companies can't put somebody out here. And, and I'm just going to keep using this area, obviously, it's kind of my, obviously my geography, but um but we got to have the large companies because I myself can't handle the product, whatever that product may be, or the application of said product. Um, and that's not what I want to do. Obviously, I don't want to be in custom application or handling fertilizer or crop uh, protection products. So um, where, and we, we need to be able to figure out how to collaborate and work with each other too. Um, yes, I have competition up and down the highway, but we have, we have shared customers. So we've got to have some type of relationship. We don't have to be best as friends, but you've still got to have that collaboration because it, it has to be about what's best for the growers. What, and that's their operation. That's their bottom line. And that's who they're most comfortable with as well. So, um, you know, a large company, doesn't want to perhaps doesn't want to do scouting but I do so that's where we've, we've got to have both um, I don't foresee that we'll get away from that if anything we might get a little bit more independent and that could be more independence like me versus like independent retailers I don't foresee exploding but um, there's a lot more push and just vibe that I'm getting that people people have realized that bigger isn't better, that you get what you pay for. And we've, we've given up or we've gotten a cheaper price from some of these bigger companies or co-ops, whatever it is, but we've sacrificed on service and we don't have that touch point, that human interaction that we have to have. So now, now there's a place for somebody like me to come in and fill that gap. And both are still happy as larks then. Nice. So as you look back on, on your years with, with your business here and when you first started it till now, what's the biggest business shock that you faced? Hmm. Like I said, told you last week, I've been thinking about this one since you passed that question along. Um, I'm not sure I've really had a shock. Agriculture is so weather dependent. I would love to blame the weather on and call that my number one shock, but that's 
not any different from since the day I was born and clear back before that. Um, and where I went around, where I went about it in a non-typical way where I was still working full time and then treating this as a side hustle. Um, I don't know if I've really, I guess the first shock but I knew, knew it was coming was the cost of health insurance my first year out since I wasn't full-time employee for somebody else. I knew it would be expensive, but didn't realize it was going to be that expensive, but you just, you just roll with it, I guess. <laughs> Another question came into the chat and just a reminder, if anyone has any questions, just go ahead and drop them in there and we'll get to them as time allows. Um, but this question says, have you had any difficulty being taken seriously because you're a female? Ah, every now and then. Um, and I'm biased. The further north and west you go, the nicer the people get. <laughs> um, so up here, it's few and far between. Um, there, there have been a couple of instances where an older gentleman, definitely older, did not, he, he listened to what I had to say, but you could tell that he was just, he was just waiting for the conversation to be done so that he could make the phone call to double check that I was, what I, what I was saying was the right thing. Um, there's probably a little bit, and not so much now, but right when I got started, right out of college was a lot more de gender definitely was a bigger factor um and i don't want i want to give a benefit of the doubt that it wasn't 100 gender that it was just you're a kid and you don't know anything you're right out of high school you're right out of college kind of thing um and so i've i've just kind of wrote it off as that i Gender is only a problem if you bring it up and you make it a problem. I'm, I, I treat my customers the way I want to be treated. And I, granted, I'm, I'm at an advantage. I've been up here long enough. I know who I'm not going to work with because they're just not going to work with me. I don't know if that would be, is because I'm a female. It, it might be, but um, I, I just... I've not had a whole heck of a lot of pushback or struggle. Like I said, it's just a few instances, but you're going to have that no matter what industry you're in, uh, male or female too. So I just brushed it off and kind of rolled my eyes and <laughs> thought, oh, no wonder you're still out in the boondocks <laughs> having problems. You know, if you're not willing to listen to somebody with some new ideas, then if you do what you always do, you always get what you always got kind of, kind of thing. So that's, that's the right attitude to have for sure. Um, another question, did you have strong female role models on your path? I shouldn't even answer her question because she's, she's setting me up. <laughs> My mother was a wonderful role model. Um, she, uh, I, I remember at a younger age, probably primarily in high school, when brought on by FFA, um, that I wanted to have my own business, but had no idea what that would be. Uh, really had no clue what I wanted to do through high school. I, I remember distinctly my mom working her keister off for what she was passionate about and she was working so hard because she wanted her own business. And I thought that was awesome. So definitely my mother, um, since graduating high school and being out, I had a really cool, um, inspirational teacher at college. Um, she was on the technology side and she was involved in a couple of statewide ag associations. And, um, she, she really latched onto a handful of us ag girls and gave us some really awesome life advice. Um, you know, told us her stories of her past and, you know, that learned from my mistakes girls. Um, and I just, there was one time walking around college campus with her and the couple of things that she told, told my friend and I, um, 
were, were awesome. You get, get your education, get your career, and then, then do your family and that kind of stuff, figure out who you are and what you want to be, um, type of talk that she had with us. So, um, she was a great one. And, um, my business coach's wife is becoming more and more of an influence all the time. She's really starting to become a partner with him on the coaching side of things um, and relating, able to relate to me a little better, just naturally woman to woman versus man to woman. Um, and my business coach, he's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but having her perspective on things um, and to where she's able to maybe shed some light on some stuff and her and I collaborating and, and working together without him there. Um, she's really starting to, to explode within my, myself and my business as well. That's great. And on this topic, what would you tell either a young female or any age female who wants to start their own business? What advice would you give them? How would you support them? Do the scary thing and just do it. <laughs> You're, if you sit there and think, I'm not ready yet, you know, you're going to always talk yourself out of it. Um, I'm, I'm glad I waited when I did. I wouldn't change that aspect of it. My business coach, like I said, when I was working with him prior to the business coaching side of things, he was always, you know, you could be doing this on your own, right. And making three times the money and having half the hours that you have to put in and all those things. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not quite ready though. I'm just not quite ready. Um, but this, the scary opportunity came up to, to do it, to take on the channel side and fully be out on my own. Um, it was scary as heck and no idea what I was going to be doing, how I was going to get it done, had to get equipment, you know, seed kind of has to be hauled on a trailer. So you've got those expenses that you've got to shell out and get ready for it. I was blessed with a building right outside of town with a forklift right there that I'm paying rent on with the building. So I didn't have that, you know, crazy expense too, but just do it. If there's something that you're passionate about that you're, that you wake up and you're excited for, um, that if you truly look at, if you're, whatever it is that you're doing and even if it's a really crappy day, whatever it is, you're still excited for the next day. Um, that's what you need to be doing and just leap and do it. There's, there's never going to be a right time. Um, and then know that you're going to fail, but don't be afraid of failing um, and make mistakes learn from those mistakes, write down the mistakes so that when the day comes, if you get an intern or you get an employee, you can pass those along and, and share those as well. Um, it, I don't have a day of work. Every day is fun. There's some days not as fun as others, <laughs> but I, I get to work with some of the best people in the world and in the best industry in the world. And um, yeah just do it. Great advice, I think. So you've mentioned your business coach a lot. Was that something that you decided right away that you needed to get um, as soon as you started your business? Or was this kind of a later on, like, oh, I need some additional help. And how did you find this business coach? Uh, so no, I did not. Uh, I started working with him um, fall of 19. So I went a whole season out on my own without a business coach. Um, and I never would have thought of getting one had he not been already kind of preaching and, and doing that um, just promotion of it. And again, he wasn't out on his own at that time yet, but you could just see that that was a fire burning in him, that that was something he was passionate about. And at some point he was going to be out on, on his own. And sure enough, in the spring of 20, he was then. Um, so the reason I did it is just because I wanted to continue to work with him. He had a coaching style when he was an employee for the, the probe and water management company. Um, leadership and personal development. And I knew those were important things. And one of his bigger quotes is to grow the business, you have to grow the business owner. And that 
has really come to fruition. I feel really in the last six to 12 months, six months primarily is finally all the fruits of all that labor and, and rise and grind is, is coming and hitting. Um, I never would have thought of otherwise to do a business coach. Um, and it was scary because obviously they like paid <laughs> like the rest of us like paid and you, you sit down and you're like, oh boy, the business isn't where it should be yet, but we know we have to, we have to have this kind of expense because later on then it's gonna, it's gonna explode, you know, five, tenfold. Um, you gotta nickel and dime on your other stuff because it'll, it'll come back and pay for it. And he's, I know he's on the cheaper side. I've, I've looked around at what other business coaches are um, and he's definitely cutting a heck of a deal. And um, like I said earlier, ag too. Ag is so different from every other industry and so many business coaches in the world are just broad business. They're not ag focused. And that, that was a huge plus with bringing him on board as a part of my team. Just a reminder, everyone, if you have some questions for Brittany, go ahead and drop those in the chat box and we'll get to those. Um, but Brittany, as we look past or we look back on this last year and, and the whole COVID situation and, you know, like you didn't really have any business shocks, but did COVID affect you any? Do you see any, any uh, business shocks as we go forward? Yeah. So right away, COVID affected um, this part of the world just naturally like it did everywhere else where the so many uncertainties about what was or wasn't going to happen um, I didn't when that when that hit the middle of March until the probably the middle of April there was no contacts person to person with customers um, and that was a little bit little bit of a of an adjustment um, post that time once everybody kind of went okay life is gonna have to go on obviously agriculture we've got to get crops planted we've got to get animals fed um, you know you got that but I, I do still have some customers that should be on the cautious side they don't we don't have a lot of personal interaction um, if we do we make sure that we're outside and I'm just respecting their wishes and their wants with their their health situation or their family health situation so there's there's been some of those kind of adjustments um, the biggest thing was for a while when you did have in person no handshakes everybody's always like ah dude and the elbow bump thing uh, but now that's that's gotten back to normal where, where people are running you down for a handshake and almost a hug now um, because they're just like, yay, we can, we can touch again. Um, as far as anything else like business specific, um, no, that just that four to six weeks right at the beginning of no, no personal interaction with anybody was a little bit of a, an adjustment, but since then, um, probably I, I roll that back a little bit. No in-person meetings has been a royal bummer. Um, I try to do a fall uh, either right after summertime, right before harvest or during the wintertime an in-person customer appreciation meeting, informative kind of relaxed thing. Didn't do that just, just to be on the safe side. Um, within the ag industry, of course, like every other, everybody else, you're completely zoomed out, <laughs> zoom burned out and missing that, that in-person networking. So that was a big thing. Try to hit up a couple of educational things in the, the summertime, field days, whatever it is. And we didn't have those, which definitely gets to a person. I work by myself other than a couple of dogs with me um, most of the time. Um, you know, getting to see customers every now and then, and then being in rural America, rural Nebraska, you look forward to a big trip to the city for the CCA conference or a field day or something. And those didn't happen. So that every now and then you got to like double check your mental health and go, Oh, okay. This is just a temporary thing. Make sure you get out and go play around to golf with some friends or whatever it is so that you still get that, that human interaction. But on the whole, not really affected too much by COVID. 
Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, the the whole Zoom thing, I think everyone's burned out on that. That's and it was nice. It's nice like to connect with people all over, but it just cannot replace the human interaction no. part of life. It just can't do it. Yeah. Um let's let's look forward now. And do you have any plans to expand? Are you planning on bringing on interns or new employees? What are your plans? Yes, all of the above. Uh, awesomely, if that's a word, uh, I've got a high school senior that reached out to me here a while ago, and he is interested and at this time going to be working for me part time this summer, which I'm super pumped up about. He is going into agronomy in the fall. Uh, in a college in Iowa and so just kind of wants to you know dip his toes in and see what it's all about and um, I met up with him and I'm just uber excited about that I'm in ranch country so having somebody interested in agronomy is few and far between um, he's probably going to be super annoyed by me by the end of the summer but that's all right he'll take the paycheck and and spend it so <laughs> um, and it's been a goal to get, and that's part of why I'm involved in the FFA alumni chapter is to be more involved in the specific FFA chapter, the kids, is to let them know that agronomy is not just corn and soybeans. Um, I'm working with ranchers and the goal is to work with more ranchers, whether it's on their uh, feed, um, whether it's sedan or millets or whatever it is like that, that they're uh, growing and raising for their their animals and or on their soil health side which that's where the the feed company and the salt and mineral company come into play um, educating and being a part of that getting my foot in the door on the animal side to really help them focus on the agronomics then within their operation um, so yeah expand and go that route the corn and beans is awesome but again that's just a foot in the door to get me working with them and and being an influence in their operation on the water management because quality quality and quantity is everybody's priority when it comes to water um i would love to have ideally maybe in five to ten years a couple of locations not entirely sure where thinking that obviously bassett for sure and then probably Ainsworth or maybe something in Cherry County like uh, in or around Valentine would be awesome. Um, three to four employees within five years, two to three probably within five years and then having a couple, three employees at, at each of those locations. Um, and that could be full-time and part-time. I've already reached out to a gal from town here that's interested in getting full-time onto their family ranch and really passionate about the animals and she's got a great work ethic and working towards being a leader within her circle of people and her influence and um, finding those people that have the traits that you can't train and then you can train them in everything else. You can train them in product education and the technology. That that's the easy stuff. You can't you can't instill somebody that wants to personally grow. I mean, that's got to come from within. So find those people and snatch them up, and then just help them explode and grow. Um, so yeah, a couple of locations with five to six employees and and covering countless acres with probes and seed and feed and. <laughs> all that good stuff. That's awesome. They're good goals to have, I think. And I think that's super exciting that you got some, some young people that want to be back and be involved in back on the ranch and, and intern, um, because being in rural America, rural Nebraska, like you said, that's, that's kind of a dying thing to find people that want to come back. And, you know, part yep. of, part of our job here at UNL is, you know, to get to talk about, bringing people back to the farmer ranch and get them involved in a different aspect of the operation. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, please keep dropping some questions in our chat box and we'll get to those. Um, but Brittany, what else, what else can you tell us about the research that you did leading up to starting this business? You know, did you research wanting to be in Bassett or did you look at other locations? I didn't research location. Um, I was living in Atkinson and working here in Bassett 
and with working in Bassett for the ag retail, we were covering Rock Brown, Kippaha County primarily um, with the scouting and the soil sampling that I was doing. So go where your pivots are and that's where the majority of them are. Um, researched a little bit on what the water management and probe company was about. Um, met with a couple of those people in the, the higher ups at the time. And, you know, just you, when you have that connection of we're all after the same thing, we all want the same end goal of water management on every acre that there's water being applied to pivot or um, gravity, you know, pipe irrigation, whatever it is. Um, so did a little bit of research there. Looking back, probably should have done some more research on other probe companies, but I mean, eight years ago, there wasn't as many probe companies and definitely not near as many water management companies as there is now. That's really a, a blooming, exploding industry, a portion of the industry. So um, yeah, and didn't, where I was gonna be doing it part-time and only focusing on the water, there was really not a lot to research into um, doing that. I had no intention at the time, didn't know I had any intention of having my business or what that was gonna entail. Um, knew I wanted a business, just didn't know what that was. And it needed to be ag-related, but no idea. So when the water thing fell into my lap, that that just fueled something that was deep down that I didn't really know was there. Another question came into our chat box. Is there any upcoming legislative issues that will potentially affect your business? Oh, legislative issues. Not that I can think of offhand. Um, I am a board member for the Nebraska Agribusiness Association and that association's goal and their objectives are to, um, they're an advocate for primarily ag retail, but the reason I'm a member, I started out as on from ag retail, of course, but um, when I went out on my own, I'm, I'm a consultant, I'm an ag business in this state. Um, so I've, I've remained a member and obviously a board member and find them tremendously valuable because there are at times things that come up within the Nebraska legislature alone that affect all of ag business. Um, here a few years ago, it's not anything that's, that's going on now, but um, quite a few years ago, actually, um, 811 Diggers Hotline had a problem with soil sampling. Well, I do a little bit of soil sampling all of ag retail does some type of soil sampling. They wanted, um, they were saying that because we were putting, um, we were coring and pulling, working in the soil in these fields, we needed to call Digger's Hotline and have everything flagged and staked. Well, holy cow, Digger's Hotline can't handle that kind of traffic coming in. And we don't always know exactly when we're, where we're going when we go out, but Long story short on that one, that was something that would definitely affect me as a business owner. Um, you know, how that would, if I had to do that, I would, you know, I'd either have to cut into my margin a little bit for that extra time, or I've got to mark, you know, make up that margin and charge that back to the customer. I can't be doing some of that kind of stuff for free. So that's just an example of a few years ago that there was something currently, um, most of the stuff going on in the ag on the ag portion within the Nebraska legislature is related to more on the ag, specifically the ag retail side themselves. Um, but, you know, there was something in there about treated seed, which I deal with treated seed, obviously. And as, as a dealer, I have good stewardship and, and rules that I have to follow within the company I'm a dealer for. Um, but for myself, as well as for growers, you know, we can't be taking treated seed to any place that might convert that seed into livestock feed. That's a common sense no brainer, but obviously there's a reason that it's becoming law and how they're changing the wording on that is because somebody somewhere did what they shouldn't have done. Um, but those penalties, you know, I, I have get a, in 
in my inventory, I get untreated soybean seed and I can custom treat it or my growers can do it on their own. But at the end of the season, then I go and take that untreated seed only, only the untreated, the treated stuff goes back to the company warehouse for them to do something with. But, um, you know, I take it to the local elevator and then we get a cut, a check cut back to us. Well, the local elevator, they know that I custom treat seeds. So they're watching like hawks that I'm not going to try to slip in anything because that gets them in trouble too. Well, long, another long story short on that is, you know, if I get caught doing that, there's a huge penalty from me from the government or the regulation entities and agencies on that aside from being in, in big trouble with the seed company as well. So um, that's something that's kind of come up and I don't know the exact ins and outs of it, but right now, knock on wood, there's not a lot going on that would affect me or ag a whole very much, but at some point there will be. Shouldn't have knocked on the wood. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Got some more questions coming in here. Um, many areas of rural Nebraska have poor internet service. Is the internet service in your area adequate to support your business needs or would better internet help you grow your business? Wonderful question. Um, so the majority of what I cover, I have pretty good internet service. But there are parts of Cherry County that there is no internet service and no cell phone service. I don't get to very many parts of those on the fortunate side. Um, because, you know, if there's, if there's no cell phone or internet out there, there's most likely not a pivot or, you know, there's just cattle running around and, and windmills pumping water. So you know, here in, in Bassett, I have amazing internet service. I go through uh, my cell phone company and I'm a stone's throw away from the tower. It has greatly improved the last five to eight years in other parts to where I have a heck of a lot more service and a much better internet. But I do struggle in some parts even still, tragically in 2021 with my soil moisture probes. Those are cell phone based modems as well. And I have to pick and choose, you know, is this going to be company A or is this going to be company B? Um, and it, you don't even need a lot of data to send out. I mean, we need more data to make a phone call than we need for the moisture probes to be able to send data, but you still don't even have anything for those, those to send out. Um, that, so for me to grow my business, yeah, we definitely need need more, need better internet service because I could go and put moisture probes in some of those places where there's, there's very poor service. Um, I have a couple of guys in Cherry County. They, they would love to have moisture probes out there, but we can't get anything to work. Um, there's satellite option, but that don't even get me started on what that data looks like. It's, it's, you might as well just wing it and like what the guy has been doing and save the money and put it towards something else. So yeah, it could help, but um, I mean, it wouldn't explode it tenfold. It would just let me fill in some of those little holes that I haven't been able to get to. Perfect. Um, does climate change factor into your business? If so, is your service a teachable moment for producers? Climate change. Um, You know, not really, and I suppose maybe what is your, what is your definition of climate change like the rules and regulations that might come down the pipeline due to climate change or climate change specifically itself? Um, I think rules and regulations will definitely it could be a good thing or it could be a major hindrance. You know, the buzzword right now is the carbon sequestrian, um, sequest yeah, sequestrian. Yes, whatever that word is. <laughs> is uh, you know, growers are looking at that and they're asking questions and they're they're 
figuring out how can they capitalize on that. But that is so, so sketchy. And so many growers are already there. They're going to take care of their soils. They're going to take care of their land. That's where their livelihood comes from. Um, so, you know, we know in Nebraska primarily that climate climate change is important, don't get me wrong, but the climate's been changing since the dawn of time. Um, the rules and regulations scare me a little bit if we get into some things. Um, if you're penal, uh, penalized for tilling your soil more than once, or if you're penalized for this, that, or the other, I'm not sure I 100% agree with being rewarded for something either. The reward should be knowing that you're doing a good job and so many growers they're doing that already without a monetary reward. So, um, yeah, if that if that answers that question without knowing exactly what that question was asking, which side of climate change? I think that was great. Um, and then the last question that we'll take tonight is: Are you involved with local NRDs regarding water issues? I am um, with a couple of them. I have a a really good working relationship with the Middle Niobrara NRD out of uh, office out of Valentine and and have a little bit of a relationship with the other couple of NRDs that um, I work within, but not as good as I would like. Um, but the goal is to continue to grow those relationships and improve them and help them on that and, and educate them. I've been a speaker at a couple of NRD certification trainings that they've offered to their growers. And that's kind of how those relationships got started. Um, the middle Niobrara has been awesome. They water quality is a big thing for them. Um, and erosion control. We've got a couple of little parts in this, in this watershed west of Bassett that uh, the flooding of 19 really shed a lot of light on erosion and erosion control. Um, so working with them on that, they're very supportive of, of the moisture probes and variable rate irrigation management. Um, there's been a, a lull in that kind of technology and that push from the NRD because of economics. They know with $3 corn, eight and $9 beans that growers are, are looking for different ways to cut out some expenses. And unfortunately, technology is some of the first expenses that gets cut. And it really should be some of the last because, and I'm biased, but in all actuality, it's, it's what makes them the most efficient of, you are going to spend these dollars, whatever this is, whether it's water, fertilizer, seed, for those, those three main inputs why not make them as efficient as you possibly can by putting the right product in the right place on the right amount at the right time. Um, so technology should be the last thing that they cut. But um, so I've, I've kind of noticed that the NRDs have backed off on that a little bit. I think they just, they, they reel it back in because they know that growers are already stretched thin and, and crunching pennies. Um, so we're not going to push something on them that they're not comfortable with. But with any kind of luck, if we can keep commodity prices decent and get these yields consistent and um, work with Mother Nature as best as she's, she allows us <laughs> and cooperates with us, that we can start having those conversations and those meetings again and creating the, getting the word out there and, and educating growers on that. But yeah, the, the energies are awesome and um, great to have. Yes, um, I'm gonna go ahead and put in the chat box, Brittany's contact information. Um, and you guys can ask more questions and get to know her a little bit more through those. But Brittany, is there anything else you wanna to add tonight? Oh, we covered a lot of different things. Um, just, it was awesome, I really appreciate the opportunity and, and getting to, to chat and um, answer some great questions in, in those different ones there. Um, climate change, especially that, you know, that could be a whole webinar on its own. Um, just that plus rules and regulations out of our, our state and federal government and, and that kind of stuff. So 
yeah, don't be afraid to, to call, text, um, email, Facebook, whatever it is. Uh, I'd love to, to chat more. Or, um, if you know somebody that knows somebody and eventually going to need some more interns and employees and they want to live in a great small little town, uh, send them my direction. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks, Brittany. We appreciate you being here. And thank you, everyone else, for joining us today. Um, you will be receiving a short survey in your email, and we would really appreciate it if you would return that with your feedback on today's webinar. And, and we also want to know your input for future sessions. So our next Open for Business episode is May 11th at 6.30 p.m. Central. And you can find out more information on our website at wia.unl.edu. And if you or someone you know is interested in participating in a future Open for Business, um, email us at wia at unl.edu and just include the name, a business name, business name, a short description, and contact information. And we can add that to our suggestion list. It's always fun to get more, more people involved in these. But again, thanks for joining us and we will see you all next time. Thanks everyone, have a good night. This has been Open for Business, a Nebraska Women in Agriculture Agripreneurship Series. Live webcasts of this series are held the second Tuesday of each month. See the schedule and register to attend live on our website, wia.unl.edu. Nebraska Women in Agriculture is a program of Nebraska Extension in the Department of Agricultural Economics, dedicated to providing unbiased education to female agriculture professionals in Nebraska. This series is based on work supported by USDA NIFA. I'm Jessica Groskow. Thanks for listening.